0: The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network.
1: Michael Brown, your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on the line of fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown.
2: From India, Michael Brown, delighted to be back live in the studio with you. You can call me today with any question of any kind on any subject whatsoever or anything you want to talk to me about. Phone lines are wide open. I want to make up for not being able to take calls while I was in India all of last week. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-3487-884. Those of you who prayed for my trip to India, thank you so much. I'll be giving you some updates. I've got a lot A lot of encouraging words for you a lot of words to stir you as we seek to infuse you with faith and truth and courage and 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 be your voice be here for you to help you stand strong on the front lines we are living in very intense times very challenging times but very wonderful times times when god is moving and society is shaking and even though there's a lot of difficulty there's a lot of pressure. Uh, there, there's a lot of purging. It's it's bringing things up to the surface, the bad and the good. That's what God's refining fire does. So I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you today. But thank you so much for tuning in. I was just talking to John Cooper before the show from Skillet. I said, hey, man, I'll be hearing your voice momentarily, uh, talking about so much compromise that we see in the church And and so many people that we'd expect to be towing the line, taking compromised views. But I said, you know, the the good is that the fire, the refining fire is bringing all the bad stuff up to the surface. So it's bad, but it's healthy along the way. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. If you're not getting my emails, now is a great time to be getting them. So another reminder. Go to our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. You'll see right there on the, on the home screen where you can just sign up for our emails. It takes you literally a few seconds to do that. We would love to be in contact with you and let you know about all the free resources that we have on our website, and all the ways that we can be here to serve you. Look, friends, I am deeply committed to seeing you thrive spiritually. Not, not just spiritually, but, but physically, mentally as, as well, to, to see you in vibrant health so that you can do the will of God effectively. And, and one thing that we can control is our spiritual health. We can control our physical health to a certain extent, but certain things are out of our hands. But our spiritual health, we can control that. In other words, we can determine by God's grace that we want to seek Him, that we want to be with Him, that we want to be in His presence that we want to be changed by him, that we want to grow in his word, that we want to deepen in prayer. And even though there can be challenges and battles by God's grace, we can do it. And some have said, you know, we are just as full of the spirit as we want to be. Meaning, how much do we really desire the things of God? Okay, just, just some thoughts on my heart. But let me share with you a few things of importance. So we're watching... A lot of things unfold the the exchange the prisoner exchange for for Brittany Griner from America uh, imprisoned in Russia for the so-called merchant of death the arms Russian arms dealer and they make that trade and why don't we trade for the marine and why do we leave him there and all these things w- which ultimately I don't know the behind-the-scenes details any more than you do but Nancy and I were talking about this, just like the news and what's in the news and social media. And basically, you just expect everybody to give an opinion, right? Every, you know, this one's got this opinion and you got this talking head on this TV station and then a talking head on another view on that TV station. And people, for the most part, are speculating because we don't have behind-the-scenes facts and information, right? We don't know a lot of details. So we're all giving opinions, and th- there's obviously a place for that, you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a place where we sit around and I think this, I think that, but if we don't know truth of what use is it, of what help is it, how does it actually advance God's kingdom or advance any purpose or advance a good cause if we we're just giving opinions about things? Let's say for example, someone's diagnosed with cancer and you're not a doctor and I'm not a doctor, and, and we're going to give our opinions as to the prognosis of whether the person can survive this or what the treatments can be or should be or shouldn't be. What's the use of it? None whatsoever. A lot of our political talk is like that. A lot of the battles that we engage in are like that, that we've got opinion about this, opinion about that, this candidate, that candidate. And, and it, there's like this whole political talk spirit there is this whole mindset where we just get like the rest of the world. As followers of Jesus, we who should be based in the Word and full of the Spirit and doing the will of God here and shining His light, we get just like the rest of the world. And we're just into the latest opinions and the latest polls. And, and if we can get this candidate in, this and that. And, and things unfold, things are so far beyond our understanding in terms of what God is doing and how he is working in the world, and what his purposes are. And we can get caught up in just a worldly, carnal, fleshly mentality that in the end really doesn't do any good. That in the end really doesn't advance the kingdom of God, that in the end really doesn't help our neighbor find the gospel. Here, so I'll I'll give you an example. Give me an example. You could call this the spirit of the age, worldly spirit, or the political spirit, Whatever you want to call it, okay? But I'll give you an example. I, I wrote an article last night. You can find it on our website, org, And it's a call to prayer for Sam Brinton. Sam Brinton is the so called gender fluid drag queen deputy assistant in nuclear waste disposal department, it's a high ranking government official. So here's a guy, you know, mustache with bright red lipstick and wearing dresses to government fu- functions and uh, into so-called puppy love, some kink fetish practice. And and he's even lectured on the physics of kink at a university and so on. And he came to fame because of his testimony of the horrible things he went through with, quote, conversion therapy and, and what he was subject to as a, as a child, as a boy and and you know, his parents made him do this, and his terrible treatment The Well, from what we know, from what I've been told, from what people close to the situation say, it's it's all a myth. His whole testimony is fabricated. The myth, of course, it was used to, to get further hostility towards, quote, conversion therapy, Ooh, conversion therapy, as opposed to a professional counselor sitting with someone with unwanted same-sex attractions and talking to them about trying to get to the root of it and help them overcome those things. So... In any event, he is now on leave because he has two cases pending against him for stealing luggage at at airports. So in one case, he didn't check, according to the facts, as I understand him, he didn't check his luggage, right? Didn't check his luggage, so he has just had carry-on. Then he goes to baggage claim and takes luggage. That was, so he knew he didn't check a bag, and he takes a bag. It's all film, it's, you know, the, the whole thing— the evidence appears to be pretty damning against him. Well, there had been a previous case where people didn't, couldn't ID who the person was. When they saw this other case, like, wait, wait, that's the same guy. So he could go to jail for this, have you know, fines, substantial fines, etc. But jail time would be the biggest thing. So he's, he's on leave right now. The fact that someone with his background was put in a high government position, and here he is you know, openly flaunting these things. That he's also a member of the, the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a drag queen anti-Catholic group that's you know, been infamous at gay pride events and things like that over, over the years. And here he gets chosen to a high government position. So, of course, now that the charges have come up against him with, with stealing luggage on two different occasions and then, you know, traveling with that luggage and using this, well, whatever, it's, it's pretty outrageous, pretty outrageous. So with video evidence, etc. Bottom line is, you see these kind of things. And, and what, what's the secular media going to do, the right-wing media? Mock the guy, ridicule the guy, and, and further embarrass him. And, and it appears, again, it's alleged, but he's guilty of these crimes. We'll see. Bottom line is, he needs the Lord. He needs Jesus. He, he, he needs to turn to God and be saved And be set free from bondage and be made whole as a human being. And I say that as someone who was set free from my own bondages and addictions. Every drug user and lost rebel, you know my story. Radically born again at the age of 16 in 1971. In fact, what's today's date? Just getting back from India here, getting the date through December 12th as I'm speaking to you. So five days from now is is the 51st anniversary of that time of radical transformation when I said, God, I'll never put a needle in my arm again, and was set free from that day on. We are all objects of mercy or potential mercy. The mercy has been shown with the cross. It can be given to us directly as we ask God and humble ourselves. But my reaction is not just the reaction of the world or to further condemn him or mock him, but to say this guy needs the Lord. This guy needs the Lord. That, that's our weapon, the weapon of prayer, the weapon of love. Yeah, I'm going to stand against radical LGBTQ plus agenda. I'm going to resist that and reject it. At the same time, I'm going to pray for God to save, for God to open hearts, open minds and change lives. I'm going to love my neighbor. Even if I differ with my neighbor, I've got a Hindu neighbor, a Muslim neighbor, an atheist neighbor, a gay neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor as a fellow human being for whom Jesus died while differing with their beliefs or their agenda or lifestyle, whatever the case might be but we have different weapons than the world has. And when we just sound like the world and act like the world, and you go to our social media pages and listen to us, and we, 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 we are just mirroring what's happening on conservative news, liberal news, wherever we find ourselves, we're no better than the world. We forfeit the the, the wonderful weapons God's given us. And for those who think that the solution is political and oh, okay and the Democrats control the Senate, well now Kristen Cinema was well, she's now independent. Where is that going to leave things? Look, the only way the so-called Respect for Marriage Act passed was with all the Democrats voting for it and enough Republicans voting for it in the Senate and the House to pass. It's an outrage. It is a complete outrage. It is an absolute attack on religious liberties and freedom of, of conscience in America? And it further enshrines a mistake that the Supreme Court made that the Supreme Court now can't undo. How could any person who's allegedly God-fearing Christian vote for it? But enough did, enough did, that it's now law. President Biden signs it, right? The point is, I'm I'm not putting my trust in the Republican Party, even though I vote Republican. I'm not putting my trust in the party because it's just not gonna happen this way. The change, the societal change, has gotta come through you and me. Living out the gospel. That's what has to happen. All right, I got a ton more to talk to you about, give you an India update. Take your calls to 866-34-TRUTH.
1: the line of fire with your host dr. Michael Brown get on the line of fire by calling eight six six three four truth here again is dr. Michael Brown
2: thanks friends for joining us on the line of fire number to call eight six six three four truth bottom of the hour I will start getting to your calls by the way uh, our shows on black Hebrew Israelites have been getting a lot of attention online And we've been hearing from different representatives, leaders here and there saying that they'd like to debate me. So we're in the process of setting some of these things up, looking to have some folks come on my radio show and discuss things with them. So hopefully early next year, some of this will be happening. I can't wait to discuss some of these things. And I recognize that there are broad ranges of people and others that would call themselves Hebrew Israelites who are not militant, who are not overtly anti-Semitic, who hold to certain similar gospel views that I would have on certain points. So There's there's a whole range, fully aware of that. Okay, <clears throat> so I, I was in India's trip number 28, would have been trip number 30, but two years because of COVID couldn't travel over there. Uh, I was not there to be preaching large gospel crusades. I was there to, to see friends and, and spend time with with some some dear colleagues in the Lord and got to give a lecture. At a Local University it was just set up kind of last minute. I gave a lecture on morality and modernity a few hundred students in an engineering school So this is a secular school. The principal is is a highly esteemed uh, Academic now in the country young man with with great favor uh, We had him on the radio f- a few months ago You may remember the interview I did with yes his wife Monica and this professor James so he took over the school the engineering school they're about to shut it down had between 40 and 50 students it's got about twenty-three hundred students now and is thriving uh, winning awards for their excellency in certain departments so he asked me to come in and do a lecture on morality in modernity so this was not for me to preach um, uh, preach the gospel uh at a secular school but rather to to talk about the moral crisis we face. And what I did is I talked about the shift, the dramatic shift in America. Psychologist David Myers said, if you fell asleep in 1960 and woke up in the year 2000, you'd wake up to the divorce rate, doubled, teen suicide, tripled reported violent crime of four times, prison population up five times, children born out of wedlock up six times, people living together out of wedlock up seven times. And the massive amount of that shift took place in the sixties. And I, I explained that Talked about the dynamics from the birth control pill coming into America in 1960 to the Supreme Court, removing organized prayer from school in 62, organized Bible study from school in 63, the, the, the shaking of America through the, the March on Washington. That was a good shaking uh, against segregation in Dr. King's famous speech. And then later that year, the assassination of, of John F. Kennedy, how that shook this. So I just went through the chronology of the 60s, right up through 69, Woodstock, Stonewall, Riots. Uh, radical feminist groups like WHICH, that was their acronym, Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell. That—that that was literally the name of the organization. Yeah, WHICH, Trying <laughs> talk about blatant. And so I talked about all the shifts that took place, and 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 then then I, then I said, so we've gone from we've gone from uh, uh, the belief that there's right and wrong, there's absolute morality, to the view that morality is relative. You have your standards, I have mine. You have your reality, I have mine. Then we shifted over the years. We've gone from absolute truth to relative truth. That's your truth. That's my truth. I'm telling you my truth. Well, my truth may be that I'm I'm 35 years old and that I don't have gray hair, but that's not the truth. I'm 67 years old and I do have gray hair, right? So it's not a matter of your truth. I may have my perspective. You have your perspective, but there's not my truth, your truth. There's only truth, but now we have relative truth. Then I said, we're going from there to, from absolute reality to relative reality. So I can, I can perceive that I'm a female. Therefore I am a female. I can perceive that I'm black. Therefore I am black. I can perceive whatever my perception is that I'm part animal and therefore I am. I, I just remind you. You know, so i'm wearing my my uh my smart myself right and i can tell you okay right now my heart rate 76 beats per minute it says that that the man who developed the technology behind the heart monitor that's that's used on our smartwatches is a highly trained professor you know tr- studied at mit harvard stanford any of these schools are taught there and and he, for 20 years plus, is identified as a furry, that he identifies as a cheetah named Spotticus. Yeah, that's his reality. So I just was explaining, I said, the Judeo-Christian perspective is that we're all created in the image of God, therefore every human being has value, but then there are certain inalienable rights that the creators endowed us. I said, this is part of the philosophy of America, but here's what happens when you depart from Absolute morality, absolute truth, absolute reality goes in this direction. So that was was just to get them thinking and open the door for for further discussion. But the the situation in India is very difficult now for Christians because Prime Minister Modi and the BJP, the BJ Party, Militant Hindu Party, has said that India is a Hindu nation. There's a strong Hindu nationalism movement and that he wants to eradicate Christianity, Islam as well. Uh, but very overt about christianity even with projected dates which have come and gone so far uh but wants to see christianity eradicated from the country and reestablish india as a hindu nation hindu only basically so it's increasingly tough on the ground for christians because as local radicals persecute them the government kind of looks the other way so it's it's increasingly hard for believers And the persecution is increasing, the pressure is increasing, but of course the church is growing in the midst of it. At the same time as the church has grown in India, the carnal prosperity message has made its way over from America. Now this was happening already in the early 90s. I went there in 93 the first time and a famous prosperity preacher had just been there ahead of me. And a lot of the local believers were pretty upset with the message. And they said, look, we know about faith. How do you think we run our orphanages? How do you think we do this with no money, care for the poor? The, you know we know about faith, but they really had it with the American prosperity message. Well, it's it's become much more prominent, especially through some TV preachers in India and things like that. And I was talking to to my dear friend yesupadam and he was just saying that the uh, the positive is that the persecution is is purging the church. It's painful, it's difficult, it's hard. And, and we pray for a change of heart for the government. We, we pray for the prime minister and the government to have a change of heart or for, for new people to come in who, who are more in harmony with, with India's more tolerant religious history. Uh, but the fact is that the persecution, the pressure, does bring stuff up to the surface. And the carnal prosperity message cannot survive testing. I wrote an article. I felt stirred to write this in India after one of the meetings one day, and it's called "The End of Triumphalist Christianity." You can read it on our website, askdrbrown.org. Do you have the app yet? Have you downloaded Ask Dr. Brown? Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. If not, download the app right now and join the thousands that are downloading it and enjoying it on on Apple or or Google. Ask Darcher Brown Ministries, and you just click to read the most recent articles. So, the end of triumphalist Christianity. I said this, there's a Christianity that struts and boasts, a Christianity full of riches and swagger, a Christianity full of carnal energy and worldly success. It is a Christianity so full of self that it is virtually devoid of God. That kind of Christianity is headed for a major fall. That Christianity is like the Church of Laodicea, New Testament times, which said of itself, I'm rich, I've required wealth and do not need a thing. It was a church that flexed its muscles a church that had arrived a happening church but jesus saw things differently he said but you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked What an extreme contrast in perceptions as the lord said in another context when rebuking the religious leaders of the day you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men but god knows your hearts for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of god that's Luke 16, 15. Triumphalist Christianity boasts in its numbers, its power, its wealth, its buildings, its outward success. It leans on the arm of flesh. It preaches an ear tickling, crowd pleasing message. It gains celebrity status in the eyes of the world. This was the way of the so called super apostles who pulled people away from Paul's ministry in, in Corinth, promising riches and success. They had arrived. They were powerful. They had their act together. Who would not want to follow their lead? who would not want to be just like them. For those who had been seduced by these false apostles, Paul had some very strong words. First Corinthians four, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ. Oh. You are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Triumphless Christianity can only exist when the spiritual climate is favorable, when persecution is minimal or non-existent, when the gospel can be touted as the fast track to success, but it quickly withers and dies when testing comes, when persecution increases, when following Jesus means loss rather than gain. In the words of Jesus from the parable of the sower, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word that once receives it with joy. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. It's wonderful when God gives his people a time of respite, when the fierce opposition dissipates and the church enjoys a time of peace. Acts 9 talks about that. It's wonderful when God blesses his people with financial abundance, lifting off the daily pressures, enabling his children to care for the hurting and needy, also helping them to spread the gospel around the globe. But let us never boast in our riches or numbers or buildings. Let us never become complacent or lose our sense of urgency. And let us never forget that the gospel always means the way of the cross that was written friends in the heart of india all right we'll be right back with your calls now's a good time to get in 866-34-TRUTH
1: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thank you so much for joining us
2: on The Line of Fire. Again, thanks for those who prayed for me on the India trip. From the moment I leave my home, uh, traveling over there, so, well, tell you what, let me make sure you have the number again, 866-34-TRUTH, and I'm going to the phones momentarily, but from... From when I, from when, I leave, uh, when I leave my home, this time I flew into Virginia, Dulles Airport in Virginia, then have a layover there for however many hours, then flew from there to Heathrow in London, a few hour layover there, then from London to Mumbai, then get in there, I don't know, like three in the morning, I guess I arrived, uh, India time, uh, got to the hotel, maybe slept for two hours, then got back up in the morning to the, for the two flights. You stay on the plane, but it's, it's two flights to, to, to fishek Potnam And then get to the headquarters there. So probably um, 38 to 40 hours. It could be as much as 45 hours So from when I leave my house to get there. And then the time differential is 10 and a half hours. So your body has no idea what's going on, what time it is. And, and normally you're really fighting jet lag, but I, I was by God's grace jet lag free i just i mean the healthy living that's 99 percent of it and and just uh supplement a healthy supplement i was using i'll tell you about it uh next year uh i want to introduce it then tell you about it but that seemed to help but but anyway and came home saturday night and have been on normal schedule normal sleep schedule and as you can see unless i sound jet lag to you i'm thriving full of energy now so man i can't command healthy living to you enough what a difference it makes all right, we go to the phones, 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, starting with Alex in Huntersville, North Carolina. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
3: Hello, Dr. Brown. How are you?
2: Just fine, thanks. It,
3: it, it's a pleasure to get to speak to you. Uh, I'm My name's Alex. I'm, I'm a Jew from New York, born in New York City in 58. So we're similar uh, background. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I recently moved down here and I mm-hmm. caught you on the radio uh, a couple of times. I immensely enjoy your program. Uh, I sat while you were in India because it was just recently that I first heard you while you were in India. I looked it up on YouTube and I've sat during this past week and probably listened to 10, 12 of your uh, programs, which I enjoyed very much.
2: Uh, awesome.
3: I've. Uh, Yes, no, no, and I've, and, and I've seen that you're very gracious with uh, even some of your less gracious uh, people that call in, uh, which is really nice. And uh, in listening to you and speaking of the truth, okay, which is, to me, the most important thing is the truth. Yeah. Okay, uh, faith in a lie is not faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't help you at all. Uh, and one of the, uh, and many of the topics, of course, as I say, I'm a Jew, we uh, have difference of opinions as to many things, but it comes down to what the truth is in the Bible, okay? Uh, and I the first program that I heard you speaking about was about a trinity,
4: mm-hmm. about
3: the trinity. And it was uh, a Jewish gentleman that was calling in uh, and was asking you about, the Trinity in the so-called Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, and to the the points that you gave, uh, which uh, one of my one of my things that I tell people is you must always remember as 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 it says in the New, in the so-called New Testament that Satan will deceive the world. It also says from cover to cover that with eyes you cannot see and with ears you cannot hear uh, things such as do not take from my words. And do not add to my words, all the way from, you know, uh, yeah, the yeah. Torah to uh, the book of Revelation. If you add to my words, I will add to you the plagues of this book. If you take from my words, I will take your name from the book of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, uh, I've seen that, you know, one of uh, your first points to show a trinity in the Old Testament is uh, uh one twenty-six, Genesis one twenty-six, uh, which says us again. I believe in three twenty-two. Again, it says us. Uh, man has become as one of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and and I've always uh, and i I've, I've been uh, debating Christians for over forty years. Uh, had the pleasure of speaking with some very scholarly people, such as yourself. Uh, and I would I would ask uh, to where, like, 127, okay, Genesis 127,
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, because us doesn't have a number to it. Okay, us could be three, us could be 3,000, okay, us could be as Rashi, and it was very, very uh, nice for you to mention, like Rashi says, he could have been speaking to the angel,
4: mm-hmm.
3: okay, which, uh, you know, is very debatable. There's nothing to back that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I find that rabbinical opinions are that, opinions. Okay. Uh, unless they're based in what is actually written. Right. Now, you go to 127, and it says, He created them. Right. Okay, there's no we created them, it's He created them.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Thousands and thousands of times throughout the entire Bible, it says, I.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. And I is not plural. One is and, and I do and I do understand the Christian point of view that one means three, three meaning one, the egg, I've 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 heard them all over the last forty years. And I would ask, like, from the book of Isaiah, from chapter forty to chapter fifty. Okay, and it's and it's a verse all the way through from cover to cover. Uh specifically, uh and, and to an extent, you have to take out the Lord, uh, because in my opinion, the Lord is a totally deceptive word uh, from Satan to try to say, well, it can mean either Jesus or it can mean Yavah. It can mean Elohim. Uh, and we both know that the Tetragrammaton in the Old Testament appears uh, right around 7,000 times. So when you put the name Hashem back in, okay, to where it is, when Hashem says over uh, those ten chapters, just, just because that is so intensely versed in there, where he says over and over, I alone, I Yavah, and we have the discrepancy whether it's uh, Vav is a V or a W, uh, but when he says over and over, when Yavah says, I alone have created everything.
4: Mm-hmm. There is
3: nobody with me. There is nobody like me. Yep. There is nobody that you can compare me to yep. over and over. And this would be what, what you would call the father saying there is no one with me. Okay. Then we go to the book of John where it states, my father is greater than I. Okay. Uh, well, so,
2: so all Alex, the way so just, through. Just, just tell what. Let me let me just, jump, let me just jump in. I wanted to, yes, to give you space to express things, but since it's not a formal debate, and I, if you go ten minutes and I yes. go ten minutes, we, we run out of time on, yes. on the radio. Yes, no, no, please. <laughs> yeah, so let me let me just ask you simply: Are are you an Orthodox Jew or or no?
3: I'm Orthodox in a very unorthodox way. Oh. I, I I believe what is written, not so much what the rabbis say.
2: Okay, right. So the, so you're not a traditional Jew because you don't follow the tradition. No. Okay, all clear. But you consider the the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, to be God's word?
3: Absolutely. Well, I it's Elohim's word. Yes, oh,
2: absolutely. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay, all clear. And you reject the New Testament?
3: No, I don't. I, I no no no. Let me.
1: Ah, I oh, okay. Believe
3: the New Testament as as it is actually intended. It is a totally Hebrew book books okay it was written in Hebrew uh, I asked people you notice that in the end
2: just one so Alex you're saying yes, that, yes. that Paul when he wrote to the Corinthians who were a Greek a, a Paul himself was a, a Roman citizen born in, in the city of Tarsus uh, but you're saying that when he wrote to the Corinthians say who were Greek speakers who didn't know Hebrew that he wrote to them in Hebrew okay i
3: well the letters no the letters would have been written and most all the letters if you look they were they were written to hebrews unless it's specifically stated okay
2: so when he wrote uh, to the in thessalonians my, in my opinion when he wrote to the thessalonians as pagans right as pagans and said spoke to them as gentiles who came away from worshipping idols so they were not jews they were they were pagans went from idol worship to to following the one true god you're you're saying that he wrote to them in hebrew
3: okay i would i would i would i would ask you this did the romans speak hebrew
2: i'm not talking about the romans because they
3: wrote uh, no 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 i know well if if the the romans the romans in rome did they speak hebrew no
2: the romans in rome did not speak hebrew no
3: okay i i I would i would dispute that okay to where before before Christianity, Jews. Well, as it says, you go, you well, go can, a million can you, miles. Can, you
2: give, me, can uh, you give me textual evidence? Can you give me? Ex- yes, well, I'm, Can I'm, you give me textual, not opinions, because we don't in, care in, about opinions. We only really okay, care no, about no, truth. No. Right? In
3: in the New Testament, it says you go. He, speaking to the rabbis, speaking to the Pharisees. He says you go. You know, so many miles to make one convert, right. and you make them ten times more. Okay, the Jews 2,000 years ago were all the way in Spain. We were the people that went out all over the world to tell people of Yahweh, as Christians do now.
2: Okay, so, what, okay.
4: What, what, so I believe that, out, that everywhere... But that, that, hang, on, hang on for Go a second.
2: Yes. Textual yes. evidence. Why was the Septuagint done? Why was the Bible translated into Greek? Because in the Diaspora, they didn't know Hebrew anymore. That's, I mean, this is not dispute it. We 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 have thousands of Greek manuscripts from the ancient world. We have no Hebrew manuscripts. The early church does preserve knowledge of one or two books that could have been written in Hebrew or Hebrews written in Hebrew, or that Matthew also wrote a gospel in Hebrew, but we don't have any textual evidence. In fact, everything is to the contrary. Everything we know is that Paul oh, wrote yes, yes. In, 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 I agree. In, in Greek. Everything we know, all of the early fathers that are Greek speaking, they're quoting Paul's writings in Greek. Nobody in in the ancient world heard ever for a split second, Alex, for a split second that Paul wrote to the Corinthians in Hebrew or that he wrote to the Thessalonians in Hebrew. That would be like me speaking to you in in Russian right now on an English radio broadcast and saying, oh, of course, everybody speaks Russian in America. Sorry. We'll be right back. Uh, We'll continue the conversation and I want to get to some more calls, but we got a lot to talk about. I'll be right back.
1: of fire with your host Dr. Michael Brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is Dr. Michael Brown all right I I do want to
2: chat a bit more with Alex but I've got to get to some more calls so Alex let's let's do this let me give you a little proposal okay since since we can debate the meaning of different verses and you know dispute theologically go back and forth which I'm happy to do but let's I want to give you a little challenge, a little assignment, and then you can research, call back. Give me some ancient textual evidence, hard evidence, quotations, manuscripts. Find something that said that Paul wrote to the Corinthians or the Thessalonians or Galatians in Hebrew. Find some ancient sources that verify that or some textual evidence of ancient manuscripts or something which support the idea that Paul could write to Greek speakers in Corinth and they would, they would understand Hebrew, all right, or in Thessalonia. Okay. So, uh, and then... Can, can I... Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. No, no, I was, gonna uh, I was, I was going to say when you have some actual sources, call me back and we'll yes. continue the discussion.
3: Well, I was going to say this, because we, we both know that when the Romans destroyed Israel, when they destroyed the temple... They utterly destroyed everything. They cut every tree in the country. They decimated everything. There is absolutely nothing in Hebrew anywhere. Okay, the no, library have- of Alexandria burns.
2: No, but, but hang on. Okay, but Ale- I would- Alexandria, oh, okay, Alex. Sorry, let me just try to set the record straight here. Alexandria is in Egypt, okay? Alexandria is in Egypt. When the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, they didn't simultaneously destroy, level all of Egypt. Okay, that's one thing. Second thing, we, we have manuscript, you know, we, we have the Bar Kokhba letters. So this is the the, the war against Rome, one thirty two to one thirty five. So this is after the destruction of Jerusalem in seventy. Now a subsequent war, subsequent destruction, but we, but we have that, and then we do, we do have Dead Sea Scrolls, right? We we do have stuff from the ancient world. We have coins, we have graves. We have different things where we, we know that Hebrew was used, but we're talking with, within Jerusalem or Judea, right? That which existed of the land of Israel at that time. I'm saying show me something where, where Paul, living outside of of that area, outside of Jerusalem, writing from say from a prison in somewhere in Rome, is, is now writing in in Hebrew to the Philippians or the Colossians, because he wrote those from prison. Just give me some Textual evidence that he wrote to them in Hebrew, all right because we we everything that we have says he wrote in Greek, so the reason I'm pushing this one point is because i I want to challenge your the factuality of your arguments, in other words, before we discuss verses because you said you've been debating this for forty years right let's 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 start with something tangible you know someone called uh, a couple of weeks ago and was telling me that the name yahweh the yah is masculine the way is feminine i had to jump in this is completely false that the only one that say that is someone who has zero knowledge of hebrew and they said well i got a pair revelation well that was false revelation so well if i can get you to to realize some of your quote facts are wrong then maybe your interpretation is wrong so that that's we'll we'll continue all right but thank you for the call and, and I've got my phone lines jammed. I don't want to be fair to other callers, but we, we're, we're beginning a conversation here, all right? So that's the challenge, textual, factual evidence. Early church leaders saying that Paul wrote these in Hebrew and re, re, we translated them into Greek or something, somewhere. Or that the Thessalonians, pagan, Gentile idol worshiper could get a letter from Paul written in Hebrew and he would understand it. Something, all right? Textual, factual Hey, thank you. Thank you, sir, for the call, and keep exploring all of our YouTube videos. We've got a couple thousand plus there. All right, um, let's go over to Second in Tennessee. Welcome to the line of fire. Brown? Yes, thanks for holding. You're on the air.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. I, um, I, I, do, I do have some questions about um, the, the Inquisition and the connection to the uh, transatlantic slave trade. Okay. It it says in the source, uh, the critical review or annals of literature, volumes 57 through 58. King John II in 1492 expelled all the Jews to the island of St. Thomas, which had been discovered in 1471 and to other Portuguese settlements on the continent of Africa. And from these banished Jews, the black Portuguese, as they are called, and the Jews in Luango, who are despised even by the very Negroes, are descended. By these colonists, St. Thomas soon became a considerable place of trade, valuable for its sugar plantations um, 30 years after their settlement, not less than uh, 150,000 pounds. The engines of uh, Sixty Sugar Works, turned by slaves. These Negroes were purchased in Guinea, Congo, and many Congo. And the colonists had plantations furnished with, with from 150 to 3,000 Negro slaves. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one of the references that is coming out about uh, Sephardic, the uh, pheno, phenotypical uh, yeah, here, look here's, of Sephardic. Here, here's,
2: the, here's the problem with, with that. Um, is that the Jews were not expelled to places. In other words, the Jews were just kicked out of the country of Spain in 1492 because all non-baptized Jews were kicked out. They, they were not physically sent somewhere by, by the rulers. They were just kicked out of countries. The countries did not now put them on boats and send them somewhere. They didn't own them. They didn't have the power to do that, all right? If you just look, what's interesting is if you look on, um, oh, let's see, Jacob Kaplan has an article, Jewish Telegraph Association, I don't see the date here, the surprising Jewish history of St. Thomas Virgin Islands. Jews from Denmark first arrived on the white beaches of what is now St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, a tiny speck off the coast of Puerto Rico in the mid-17th century. These were descendants of a Jewish population that had fled Spain for other parts of Europe during the Inquisition. St. Thomas afforded them a certain religious autonomy that wasn't always available on the mainland. So it's... It seems the source you're reading there is, is skipping some steps. So the Jews expelled from Spain went to different parts of Europe, okay? Because you're kicked out. It's like if you get kicked out of your neighborhood, you go to the next neighborhood, all right? So that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, as it said, Jews from Denmark, so they had been expelled from Spain. They went to different countries in Europe. They arrived in St. Thomas in the mid-17th century. So there is, there is some Jewish history to St. Thomas, but it's not... It's, it's not a, an African history. It's, it's more of a Jews expelled from Spain, going to other parts of Europe, then fleeing Europe, or just coming over to start a new life, then making their way there. So they weren't expelled or like sold there as slaves. So that's, that's the part that's questionable. Follow?
0: Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. I, and, and I can understand that. There, there's another source uh, from Nature Knows No Color Line, Mm -hmm. Uh, Research into the Negro Ancestry and the White Race by J.A. Rogers, page 123, 1952, Mm -hmm. Wesleyan University Press. It quotes the Duchess Duchess, uh, Abrantes. It says, the Duchess, the Abrantes, wife of Napoleon's ambassador to Portugal, said that the Jew, the Negro, and the Portuguese could be seen in a single person. So dark were the Jews, especially of Portugal and southern Spain, that many whites thought all Jews were black or dark.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely reference. There's no question, sir, that there are references to dark-skinned Jews in different parts of the world over the centuries. You have Jewish, uh, you know, chronographers or or chronographers probably just made up the word there. Jewish history writers and and just give it their you know, as they're journaling and they're traveling to different parts. And they happen to mention, yeah, the Jews dark skin here. For, for a point of fact, through 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 history, Jews have not been all white skinned, obviously. You know, a lot of white Jews think that's the case. But you start with Middle Eastern Jews who would have been brown skinned. And then as Jews are in different parts of the world, like where, where, we, where we trace the, the white ancestry from is that Jews sold into slavery in Rome and had communities in, in Rome after the destruction of the temple, that they, they lived in, in, in Italy for so many years. And then as people convert to Judaism, marry in, so over a period of time, the, the, the Jews living there, the skin whitened, and then ultimately made their way through other parts of Europe and into Germany, you know, the, the Ashkenazi Jews, that's where they would stem from. The Sephardi Jews would have had a little different history. Yeah, but, but certainly, yeah, there, there were dark-skinned Jews, no question about it. And, and, of course, we don't dispute the existence of black Jews or African Jews. I, I don't for a split second. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the only part, sir, and I'm not intimately familiar with the history, that I have to dig into more that seems questionable to me is this idea that Jews were expelled from Spain to St. Thomas. That I don't understand how they expel them anywhere except they kick you out of the country and then you migrate to different places. But if your point is that there are historical records of of dark-skinned Jews that were then separate from Africans, yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. No question. Hey, hey listen, I apologize. Was there any? Uh, I've got like thirty seconds. Was there any main point you wanted to raise beyond that, sir?
0: Yes, the the main point I wanted to raise uh, really quickly in less than thirty seconds. Yeah, is it possible that these uh, black Negro Portuguese Jews? Uh, were collected together with West African Jews and transported to the Americas in the slave trade. I, I, I'm,
2: anyway. I can't comment on that. Uh, first, I don't think that they were Negroes, the Portuguese Jews. I think they were saying that they were similar in skin color. To them. I think that's the point that that chronicle was making, that, that remark was, was being made, not that they were the same as Negroes. But is it possible, uh, to my knowledge, no to your question but honestly i haven't researched that specifically so let me look at it and if i learn something i will let you know thank you for the questions and for raising them hey david carroll others sorry i couldn't get you but i I want to take as many calls as i can this week god bless
4: Hey friends, it's Steve Noble. I want you to send a text. Just text the word DOSE, D-O-S-E, to 66866. That's the word DOSE to
1: 66866. And that'll get you on the email list for my daily DOSE devotion. Another program powered by the Truth Network.